Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hi, it's good to be with you. Today we're going to be talking about an issue that I have found with many of the people that I meet with for spiritual companioning. And it's this idea that what do we do when we find ourselves getting a little bit bored spiritually? Uh, I think sometimes it's hard to even identify language around that. Sometimes we feel bad admitting that the things that maybe once worked for us in our spirituality no longer do. And so I'd love to talk today about what do we do and how do we approach spiritual boredom? Yeah, I think this is a great conversation to have. I'm often thinking about spiritual boredom and I think what comes up for me is this, you know, whenever I was uh, growing up, the faith, tradition, the faith tradition that I was a part of, like scripture or the Bible was what we always went to. Whether we're bored, whether we're struggling in life, uh, whatever the issue is, you go to the Bible. I reached uh, a, a place in my life where that that wasn't working. You know, I grew up going to a, a, a private school that was religiously based, and so I got lots of scripture from that. Uh, obviously, having gone to seminary, lots of scripture. Um, so it's not that I'm not familiar with scripture or I can't access it, but it just wasn't the way that I was finding God. And uh, I found that I would find spiritual renewal or revival just walking in nature. And so I went, uh, I sometimes would go a year or two without actually reading a passage of scripture uh, that wasn't for work, you know, going there on my own. And so I think it led me to uh, explore new, new spiritual practices. Yeah, I think even as we came into the beginning of our marriage. So we actually, my husband and I, Dominic, we were so young. I was 19 and he was 21 and we were very much still being shaped. So I can relate with what you're saying. It was all of this trying to figure out how to be grownups. And in the midst of trying to figure out how to be grownups, we were trying to be really good spiritual people too. So we had been taught there were these little things, right? Like read your Bible for five minutes a day, at least, at least five minutes. Everybody's got five minutes and hold hands when you pray. And so, and we wanted to, right? Cause we wanted to be good spiritual people. And so we were trying all those things and then we might fail for whatever reason. We're feeling tons and tons and tons of guilt about it. We, we were fighting with each other. Like you should be better. No, you should be better. And just trying to work it all out. And what was more complicated is this notion of read for five minutes a day. Let's, let's just take that one. Sometimes you would open it up and you ended up at some passage with like a total bloodbath or something. <laughs> something that wasn't hitting the need for your now, that particular moment. And so there was this need to find something else. And we actually, it took a long time to find it because we, we went to college after we got married and that became the primary focus. So it did take a while to find it, but I do relate with what you're saying. Yeah, I find it interesting because I think no matter what faith tradition you grow up with, there seems to be these golden attributes of attaining a spiritual life. And so I know 
Christina, you had mentioned reading the Bible. I think some traditions, it's, I would say a, a triad of reading the Bible, prayer, and a bonus if you journal. And like extra credit if somehow it's in the morning, like that somehow morning hours are holier than others. Uh, other faith traditions, it's attending mass or church or liturgy every single week and taking communion and observing some of the holy days and holidays in that sense. And so um, so I think sometimes when, when we have those languages of our those that maybe come from a faith tradition and that was something that in whatever formative period of our life, whether it's as a kid or in college or when we were kind of actively seeking, those can kind of become our things. And it seems like, you know, when we're trying to move past some of that, there's a resistance I'm finding in meeting with people in my own life of, is that wrong of me? You know, obviously these things are cornerstones and pillars. And so whatever liturgy or church or mass has brought to me, all of a sudden, if it's not bringing that, what's wrong with me? And, and, and do I need to try harder or be less selfish or whatever? Or, you know, some of these different practices, I think it's almost to the point where we're embarrassed to admit it or there's such a, well, of course, this is the staple of, of what it means to really be actively deepening my walk with God. And so if I'm not doing that, does that mean that I'm now a shallow Christian? I would even throw in, like, I think uh, music or, you know, some traditions call it worship uh, is uh, one of the main ways that you access uh, these spiritual feelings. And, uh, you know, I've had, uh, as a musician, as someone who has led church music, uh, I've had times in my life where I, I use these songs, I, I use different songs to sort of access a spiritual feeling uh, with myself and with our community. And at times it's like, well, there is no, uh, there, there is no spiritual um, life in those songs. And so I think, you know, going back to when you're bored or things aren't working, you know, what do you do um, to find God in those places? So Chris, I'm curious, what do you think it is that contributes to the fact that this song at one point you really were engaging with it and then you no longer do? What are some insights? And I, I know Christina, you're also a musician, so you may have some thoughts as well. Well, I think language. Um, I think we're always trying to uh, figure out, okay, we're, we're saying this thing, but it seems pretty archaic to me. I'm, I'm, I'm actually having some sticking points like that doesn't work for me or I'm finding that I have moved past that sort of theology or philosophy. And so uh, I think growing in my ability to, to access, I think the, if the melody is great, it's a good song, well, can I just change the lyric? I don't know, some people are like, no, don't change the lyric, that's unholy. Um, but you know, I just I just did that with the song. That's a great song. It's upbeat. Uh, it it's thankful. But there's just this one line in there that is like, really, that's more of a conversation than something that you would sing uh, with a community of people. Like it's it's kind of like a hard a hard topic, and you're you're just supposed to swallow that, um, you know, as as a part of your faith experience. Um, and so I'm, 
I'm fine with changing lyrics. I'm I'm fine with making them accessible to me. Um, so that's 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 something that comes up for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally change lyrics. <laughs> uh, for so many reasons, sometimes they're gender specific, and I want everybody to feel included, like they can identify. Um, and it is interesting. I feel like with songs in particular, there's just seasons sometimes. Like I might need this song because I'm legitimately sad, whereas another time I, I really need a positive song. So they're going to flip for these kinds of reasons. Others have felt like if I take a decade at a time, they can feel timeless, right? So if I'm singing about waiting on God, that's a helpful reminder to my spirit. And I can really enjoy that song for a long period of time until like another really good song with that same idea might come in. <laughs> um, but, and I was a classical musician, right? So I, I sang opera and what, whatnot. But that music in particular is really a different purpose for me. It's just performance. And so uh, when I was in my early adulthood, music was very performance oriented, not in the way that opera was, but like with your body, you needed to effervesce with your body in order to be on the worship team. And I had grown up in a more like stand up, sit down, kneel, get up, turn around, sit back, you know. <laughs> and so uh, this business of using your arms was a real challenge. And I was trying to develop that language to fit in and be a part of things. Uh, and then you started to hear all these people in that tradition start to say, you know what, I need to come back to like the C chord. I need to come back to just one much more simple affect. And that was frustrating actually, because I was trying to be like them. <laughs> and now I needed to, yes, yes, back to the simple, the C chord, which is not opera at all. But there's seasons, I think. And so that feels true in all of my worship practices. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing I appreciate about a contemplative approach to life is, you know, we talk about noticing awareness, whichever word fits you, and really paying attention to what is it about this particular practice that, you know, Christina, you mentioned the seasonality and maybe um, being able to stick with something for a long time until something fresh comes along. Or Chris, your idea of there's something about this particular line that rubs me the wrong way. And what is it about that? And how do I sit with that awareness? And I don't hear you saying like, I'm never going to sing this song again or a song again. But there's something about this song that all of this, I I can connect. I appreciate that. But this one particular line, um, to me, that's an important concept. But I think the context of that would be better in a conversation. Maybe it's a theological conversation that doesn't fit in a five minute song that we're singing. And so I think this idea of noticing and paying attention to our practices and what is it about it that, and I think sometimes, I think what I'm hearing from both of you is sometimes there's a micro adjustment that we can do to a practice where we can still engage with that and it still does nourish our souls. And then I think sometimes, Chris, like you had mentioned, maybe taking a break from a particular practice because not only is it not nourishing our souls, like maybe it's just we're a little bit too saturated or full of that right now. And so to try to stuff more in there maybe isn't helpful and somehow taking a break from that and trying a different practice might be a little bit more helpful. Or that it might even produce like a part uh, in your spirituality. It might even produce anger, or 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 lead you down, uh, which which just could be a good path as well, right? Like if you if you have dissonance with 
with a certain practice. Uh, dissonance just means that you're, you are seeking that, that you are thoughtful, that you are wanting God. And so uh, dissonance just means that you're, you, you are in, ready to engage in a new way. And so I think that's, that's important to notice as well. And I think it, I'm also realizing there's an intention, right? If we're sitting down to a practice, why am I there to do that thing? What purpose is it serving? So is the, is the song, if we're using songs, serving to teach me a theology or am I trying to connect with God? Like, what is my purpose in this? And probably most of us don't really want to sing a song in order to connect with theology. So it's probably the challenge. But it's it's going to be true in all of our spiritual practices is what intention Am I coming into this with? Yeah, that's helpful, Christina, because I think when I think about prayer as a practice, that is something that has been a constant my entire life is prayer, but definitely the why of prayer. And I think from that to the how of prayer. And so why am I sitting down to pray right now? Why am I not sitting down to pray? Because I don't want to sit. I want to be walking. Why? And and what what is in it for me? Is prayer a, a way in which it's cathartic for me to just, I have a lot going on. And so I need to somehow get it out in by walking and getting it out of my body or by journaling it out and somehow getting it from inside of me onto a piece of paper or by verbalizing it or whatever the different prayer practices and you know of late i found that you know even wordy prayer um, which we're going to be doing a podcast all about <laughs> different types of prayer um isn't quite serving in the way that maybe just lighting a candle and having a vigil going throughout the day is more meaningful to me so i think that's a really important piece that you mentioned of you know again going back to that contemplative lens of awareness and sometimes again we're just noticing wow when i do this i'm bored when i do this there's anger coming up when i do this there's um maybe a staleness or a dullness and noticing that and then sitting with okay well, what does that mean and i'm not judging it i'm just noticing Noticing it, um, and then sometimes the invitation is, well, let's think about the why and what was it that drew you to this practice in the first place? Was it because you were part of a college group and everybody else read their Bible and journaled and prayed, and you you heard a teaching about that? And so to be considered, you know, growing in your faith, it required these things. Or you know, I know <clears throat> in some faith traditions, it's actually like going out to like evangelize and kind of share the good news through different uh, events that you're inviting somebody to or sharing a piece of paper that somehow talks about your faith and people finding dissonance with that. But what's the heart behind that? Is there anything good of sharing stories of what's going on in your life? So I find that that awareness piece and maybe sitting with it uh, to be helpful. This is the part of our week where we want to just take a moment to share um, how we're engaging with the contemplative life and what's fresh for us. So this week I am trying, well, so, okay, this is another, it still is in process, right? So yesterday I said, I'm going to do a two minute statio, so a two minute pause where I physically stop one activity before I go to the next one. And um, this morning, I had also said to myself when I started this, I'm going to give myself the right to edit it, right, to change it a little. I actually think a 30 second is more realistic because there's so many things that I'm going to stop and start. So two minutes is probably too long. My children are not going to be able. There's four of them, for those of you who don't know. And they're like ages 12 to four. And so two minutes is probably going to feel weird to just the whole family system. But I can probably do 30. So right now... It's a 30-second statio between things. And um, 
I am actually also contemplating bringing back the candle because I just feel calmer when I keep that light near me. Yeah, contemplative practice. Uh, I don't know how contemplative this is, but I'm reading a, uh, a series of books right now called the uh, Malazan Book of the Fallen. It's a, it's a fantasy genre, and I really am enjoying it because the author, uh, Stephen Erickson, uh, was a anthropologist for 30 years. And so he's writing in this fantasy uh, series all about like our practices, whether it's religious practices, uh, philosophical practices of empire. And, and so I'm really into this book, the Malazan Book of the Fallen. And I would say my entrance way into this this week is uh, actually just delighting in the framework of preschoolers. So I have a son who is preschool age and I used to, at one point in my life, work with preschoolers. And to me, that's such a magical age where everything is amazing and you are saturated in whatever it is that you're learning. And so in particular, we're learning the alphabet. And so there's songs about the alphabet, crafts about the alphabet, activities around the alphabet, everything alphabet related. And just this pure delight when you see the calendar and you recognize it's January and there's a J that I learned about J in school and I see that on the calendar and everything that you're aware of and building these foundational blocks in your life and so I think I'm just really delighting in the all inness of preschoolers and what I can learn from that beautiful childlike uh, stage that we have all gone through but most of us have probably forgotten at this point. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. If you would like some more information or you want to connect, we invite you to check out the contemplativelife.net for more ways to do that. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Peace.